Brewers fans have time today. Let's get into this. Let's spend some time arguing about Craig Council and bullpenning and feeling out a game and preserving a starting pitcher. We have time. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I am very hungover today. Not like from booze. That would be really irresponsible. It's Thursday. Never show up to work on a Thursday hungover. I'd never show up on a work day hungover. Come on. That'd be irresponsible. I'm, I'm like sports hungover today. Because yesterday was so awesome. The Brewers-Cubs game was so awesome. The Bucks won, although that, it, the result really didn't matter. The point being the Bucks played in the afternoon, as did the Brewers. So we just basked in it all from 4 to 6 p.m. last night. And then I went home and I'm like, well, now, now what? What do I do now? Did nothing. And then today, I had nothing. There have been no sports games that I really care about since the last time we talked at 6 p.m. What a boring 24 hours it's been. And yeah, we had our fun when the Brewers beat the Cubs yesterday and the Bucks picked up a win over the Wolves, which I don't know. We're going to talk a little Bucks today, a little NBA. I don't know what to do with that league right now. Trying to piece it together. I'm hungover today. We had two, we had all our fun yesterday. We had too much fun. And now I'm looking back at it like, oh, at what cost? Now the Brewers are off today. I got nothing to do. The Bucks play tonight against the Hawks. Who knows who's going to play in that game? A lot of Hawks sat out yesterday. A lot of Bucks sat out yesterday and have been sitting out. So hungover today. We had our fun yesterday, but we kind of paid for it in the last 24 hours because I was so bored last night. I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. This is a jam-packed show, folks. I don't say that about every show. Some shows have room to breathe, you know, space to absorb callers and time to get off the rails. T- today is, is not one of those shows, ladies and gentlemen. It is packed to the walls. Brewers, Bucks, we're going to talk Packers as well. We, I even have a non-sports topic planned today. Mostly because I think the last 24 hours have been so empty, I, I needed to get creative. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything today. And although the show is jam-packed, you, you're still welcome. I don't mean to, to say that you're not a part of it and there's no room for you. There's always room for you. Come on, 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. And you can always tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, if you want to be a part of the show that way. Or even when the show's not going on and the Brewers are playing or the Bucks are playing, go ahead, send me a tweet. Have a nice little back and forth. A, a conversation Outside of the Wisco Sports Show. That's fine, too, on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Last night was kind of a bummer with no Brewers, no Bucks. I didn't, didn't really know what to do with myself. I almost, almost did laundry. Oof, almost. I got close, which is when you know that I have absolutely nothing to do. I watched a little bit of 76ers Nets, and that game was fine, but it didn't feel legit. There were some players that were sitting out, and then the players that were playing were on a minutes restriction, so that was kind of lame. I listened to Damn last night. Kendrick Lamar's album from 2017 that turned four years old yesterday, just reflecting on a better time, 2017, when we had no pandy, no pandemic. We had no crazy political climate, as political scientists would probably say. Nothing like that. Just a new Kendrick album and not a care in the world in the summer of 2017. I miss it. So that's what I was doing last night. We got all hot and bothered during yesterday's show, reacting to the Brewers and the Cubs. And I mean hot and bothered, I mean in a good way. A good, good type of hot and bothered. Uh, because the last two games were perfect between the Brewers and the Cubs. So on Tuesday night, 
the Brewers blow a late lead. And Wilson Contreras is the hero, and he's shushing the crowd as he runs around the bases, and he does a bat flip. And it's funny because when that play happened, I was listening on the radio. I wasn't watching the broadcast with Brian Anderson or Bill Schroeder, The Rock. I wasn't watching with being The Rock. I was just listening to the radio. And I, I realized later, when I went back and saw the TV highlight, that Rock didn't appreciate Wilson Contreras shushing the crowd. It wasn't appreciated. The radio broadcast didn't make mention of it, so it wasn't a big deal. I don't care about bat flips. I don't care about gestures when you're going around the diamond. That, that doesn't bother me. I would not lose an ounce of sleep over that. I did lose lots of sleep, quite literally. I lost sleep over them throwing behind Brandon Woodruff. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't throw it in other team's ace. You can bat flip all you want. Heck, I, enc- I encourage it. I love bat flips. That's fun. Let the kids play, right? That's what makes baseball fun and energetic, and we need a little bit more of that. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but then again, say what you want about the Cardinals. They would never throw at an opposing team's ace. They have enough respect and, dare I say, common sense to not do such a thing. So Tuesday night, everybody was upset, very angsty between the two dugouts, right? Lots of drama. The rivalry is peaking. Cubs fans are like, oh, it's Wrigley North, because that's like the only joke in their vocabulary. Sorry, Cubs fans, I had to say it. So then that sets the stage for yesterday's game, which was the rubber match of the series. Winner takes the series, and it was after all the drama of the night before, which made the Brewers win yesterday so, so satisfying. Oh, it was great. Corbin Burns, another 10-strikeout game because that's just routine for him. He's off to a historical start. The Brewers' offense hung seven numbers, uh, uh, or seven runs. I believe the expression would be a crooked number. Put a crooked number on the board, seven runs, and they did so without Yelich. They did so without Kane or Wong. Keston here really didn't do much of anything, and they were still able to score seven. Oh, what a great game. What a great series. And I saw some Cubs fans who tweeted and texted in. They're like, hey, good series. Let's do that again in, I think they play again in a week. Let's do that again a couple more times this summer. Let's keep the tempers high so we all stay engaged. Yeah, it's fun. It's good stuff. Imagine wanting to change baseball. Imagine thinking that this game isn't any good and wanting to change it. Imagine being the commissioner of this league and still thinking that. Wouldn't that be something? Just nuts. So we've had a day to kind of cool off after yesterday's rubber match where the Brewers won 7 nothing. Brewers are 7-5. and five. They've won their last three series in a row after dropping two of three to the Twins to start the year. And we've had a day to cool off. I'd like to think everybody's level-headed. We're not going to name call between the Cubs and the Brewers fan bases. And you're probably thinking, Grant, Cubs, but we weren't calling names. That was just you. I know. That was just me. We're not going to do that today. I thought we'd just take a couple minutes, take inventory. Let's just do a check-in. What do we think about the Brewers? What are we high on? What are we low on? What do we need to see more of? Very even-keeled. Very full of perspective. That's my that's my goal for the next couple of minutes. And I think over the last few days, maybe the last two weeks, we've done a pretty good job giving credit where credit is due to a few specific players. Obviously, Burns did that a lot yesterday, and Woody, and Peralta been pretty good too. Adrian Hauser's been pretty good too. Travis Shaw talked a lot about Travis Shaw and and a really really cool story that's playing out as he's returned to the Brewers this season. We talked a little bit about Avi Garcia and Omar Narvaez too, and how they're They're back. They had a terrible season last year, and we were lectured by the Brewers media and by baseball nerds. So smart baseball fans, I mean respectfully, said they're not this bad. Narvaez is a better hitter than this, and Avi Garcia is a better hitter than this. They'll bounce back in 2021, and they wasted no time in the first two weeks just getting after it, both of them. Narvaez was basically their only hot hitter to start the year, and Garcia's had a couple of days where he's powered the Brewers' offense for that particular day. And I think we've done a good job giving those players credit and also retroactively giving David Stern some credit for signing those guys a year ago 
to much criticism, to much confusion by fans, and now we're seeing why those signings were made in the first place. Okay, these players are pretty good. It just took them a year. 60-game season, I think, impacted those players quite negatively. Now, this is going to seem backwards. This might seem a little weird, but bear with me. I think we got to give credit to somebody else. I think we got to give credit to Andy Haynes, don't we? The Brewers hitting coach. Now, the Brewers offense has certainly been spotty at times this year. They've had two or three-game stretches where it's just brutal. But most teams will endure stretches like that. I mean, they play they play 162 games over the course of the regular season. They're not all going to be gems. And yes, even good offenses will have two or three days in a row where they struggle to score. I don't think the Brewers are unique. The Cubs, who are on a terrible stretch offensively right now, I don't think it's unique to them either. I think they're off to a bad start and they're figuring some things out. Every team goes through bad stretches offensively. And I think we got to give Andy Haynes a little bit of credit. I mean, look at yesterday. I think there's some evidence in yesterday's game to indicate that maybe we should give Andy Haynes some love. He scored seven runs, no Yelich, no Kane, no Wong. And Keston Hira technically went 0 for 1. He had two walks and a strikeout. He didn't have any hits. He did score a run, so he was active on the base paths. We can thank him for that. He did come around to score a run. But their biggest run producers were out of the lineup. Their next biggest run producer didn't really do a whole lot of anything. And this team was still able to score seven runs against a divisional rival. I know everybody had the torches and the pitchforks out for Andy Haynes last week, but I think we got to give the man some credit. And if you don't want to take my word for it, that's fine. I compiled some evidence. I, uh, I talked to some other people today. Well, I didn't talk. I, I found quotes of other people talking to other people, like Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain, completely unprompted last week, speaking with the Brewers media. I found the tweet from Sophia Menert. Tom Hodricourt, Will Salmon all had it as well. This was circulating about a week ago, and I thought I'd dig it back up. This is Sophia's tweet. Lorenzo Cain made a point to credit hitting coaches Andy Haynes and Jacob Cruz. He said, despite the offense scuffling early, they're the two hardest working coaches. And quote, he said, I'll vouch for those two guys any day of the week. And he wasn't prompted. He wasn't asked about those guys. He's just like, I feel like I need to say something. Those two dudes have my back and I have theirs. Right? Earlier in spring training in early March, I went and found this from Tom Hodricourt. Brewers hitting coach Andy Haynes went to Florida over winter to work with Omar Narvaez and Avi Garcia after rough 2020 seasons and likes what he's seeing this spring. Quote, they're getting affirmation that they're working on the right things. It's showing up for them. So Andy Haynes has the complete and total support, unprompted support of Lorenzo Cain. He traveled across the country to go work with Avi Garcia and Omar Narvaez after Brewers fans mentally, I think, had discarded those two after a really rough 2021. Good for Andy Haynes. And another thing that caught my eye was watching the Brewers on, was that Monday night or was it Tuesday night? When Luis Urias just rocked that one to left field, hit a home run. If you were watching the TV broadcast, maybe you saw what I saw and what The Rock, Bill Schroeder, eventually mentioned, although I want credit because I said it first, watching in my own living room, although I have no way to prove it. When Urias went into the dugout, getting high fives, you know who was most animated, most fired up? You know who had the biggest smile on his face? You know who was happiest? Andy Haynes! You can see him on the top step. And I'm watching the game, and I see that. I see Andy Haynes celebrating, and I tell my buddy, I gotta write that down. I gotta grab my phone. And as I'm writing it in my notes... What do you know? The Rock says, hey, nobody with a bigger smile right now than Andy Haynes. Damn it. Put me on Fox Sports Wisconsin. I think that's significant. I think that's important. To show that a hitting coach is involved and cares and shares that moment with his hitter who was scuffling. Right? That's, that's pretty cool. And in a sense, that's a hitting coach taking ownership for hitting struggles. Right? He knows that when his hitters aren't producing, he's got to dig deep too. He's got to work harder. He's got to show up earlier. 
He's, he's not separate. It's not like, well, 9 to 5, I'm out of here. See you guys later. You figure it out. Well, no. When the offense is scuffling, Andy Haynes seems to take ownership for that. He seems to, to dig in a little bit and work harder. And he should. In conclusion, as we kind of take inventory of the Brewers so far, the Brewers are good. They have room to get better, to get healthier. Craig Council's got to figure out the bullpen a little bit more, who he can trust, who he can't. Nurse Devin Williams back to health slowly but surely. And, of course, the offense is things come together and players reenter the lineup. You know, find your cohesion, find the matchups that work, and, you know, you continue to improve. There's an argument to be made that the Brewers have won a couple of games that they maybe shouldn't have won opening day against the Twins. There's a couple games that maybe they should have won and they ended up losing. I, I think the other night against the Cubs, if they don't give up that home run to Wilson Contreras. Or um, the what's the other game that they ended up losing? The Corbin Burns game in St. Louis, St. Louis's home opener. That's a game that was there to be had. They let it slip away. So there's room to improve, but I'm, I'm pretty pleased with what I'm seeing from this Brewers week. Also, I started a Brewers diary today. I thought this would be a fun project to work on over the course of the season. Uh, it, it's just, I, I started in Google Docs, not that you need to know that. But what I'm going to do is I'm keeping track of every series the Brewers play in and the date on which they play these series. And like, okay, they won one out of three. They won two out of three. They swept the series. They got swept. Not to keep track, because all that data is like readily available. I can go look at that all season long. I can go back and look at the schedule and see the games they won and lost. What I want to keep track of is what we're saying on this show and the tweets that I'm seeing and what callers and texters are saying. So like, I'm writing down what we're feeling. So under Twins, I have Minnesota Twins, April 1st, one out of three, meaning they won one of three games. Two bullet points I wrote down. First one, first game, magic, home opener. That's pretty typical. And then the second bullet point is, after losing the second two, heard things like, quote, lucky to win 65 games. Something else I heard. Of course they can't score. All their offseason additions stink. Bunch of guys who can't hit, right? So very down on the Brewers. That was the first series. And then a blurb after the second uh, series against the Cubs. Rough outing to start, but the offense is warming up. Cubs off to a historically slow start. RC was sacrificed after the loss. Truly heartbreaking. <laughs> By the end of the year, that, that probably won't be very significant, but I wrote it down to be funny. Cardinals, the next series, April 8th. They won two out of the three games. I said they lost on opening day. Arnado gets the hit. Typical for a team's home opener. They get a little lucky. They get some good, some good energy. And I wrote this down too. Fandom lost it at Craig Council for overmanaging and pulling burns after six. And I highlighted that because that's something that we're probably going to revisit throughout the season. Right, I said, Travis Shaw, look at him getting going. Omar Narvaez and Avi Garcia are back. They're not messing around. Right, So I'm, I'm writing down a little blurb or two comments that I hear from listeners or tweets that I see or text because I want to have a record of all of this stuff. I want to be able to look back at the end of the season and almost, it's almost like a, 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 a I want to put this. I almost want it to be linear. So when I read through this, like, in my mind, I, I want there to be a mental line graph that's always going up or down. How high are we on the Brewers? How low are we on the Brewers? What specifically are we saying? If we're low on the Brewers, why? If they're winning games and we're celebrating, why? What are the themes, right? What types of things do the Brewers do really well that leads them to win, say, three series in a row, as they've done against the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Cubs after winning yesterday? So just something I wanted to mention. I'm keeping a Brewers diary so if you would like to contribute to the annals of 2021 Brewers history, you want to be a part of this. Chances are if you text in or you tweet in or you call in and you say something specific to that day or that series, I'm going to write it down because I think it's a fun project and something that we can reference back to 
over the course of the season. Plus, there's always a couple of moments that define a Brewers season, right? I, I jokingly referenced that game in 2017 that Manny Pena didn't bunt and fandom almost ate itself alive. Remember that? And then in 2018, when they got swept five in a row going into the All-Star break to the Pirates and the ball went through Eric Kratz's legs, remember that? Moments like that. And I think that Corbin Burns being pulled early last week, I, I think that's one of those defining moments. And I wrote it down, and I was like, well, wait, I should keep track of this stuff all season long. So I'm going to hopefully keep track of this season in moments. And once again, if you're contributing to the show or you're texting or tweeting in, that stuff's going in there. We're keeping a record of, of everything that we say and we argue about so far this season because it'll be fun to look back at the end. And hopefully we might learn a thing or two, become smarter fans, and, and maybe fans that don't overreact quite as much, although it's very fun to overreact. So we always need a little bit of that. I want to continue to talk about the Brewers. I actually want to talk about Luis Urias. Craig Council had a couple of things to say, and I, I think two weeks in, a couple series in, we can have a discussion about this guy. Now that we've seen him play a little bit, he's no longer a name or a trade ship or a prospect. We can actually dig in and, and talk about this cat. So let's talk more Brewers. Talk Luis Urias coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Just excellent. Just too good. John Heyman, who m- most baseball fans actually hate. Like, uh, if we did a, a ranking of MLB insiders, he's definitely behind Passan, and he's definitely behind Ken Rosenthal. Just tweeted out, three-game suspension and fine for Tapera, who's appealing after hitting Woodruff. One-game suspension for David Ross. Just, just excellent. Just great. Just wonderful. Wonderful. Opening Twitter over that commercial break and seeing that news, that, that's like waking up on Christmas morning. Except I didn't expect it. So it's like waking up on uh, July 25th and seeing a bunch of presents under a Christmas tree that, like, you get my point. It's like a surprise Christmas. Waking up on a surprise Christmas morning. Oh, that's just too good. Uh, Hold that L yesterday to Cubs. I'm trying not to be combative with Cubs fans, but this thing just, this this made me mad. Hey, bat flip. All you want. Scream and yell and shush the crowd all you want. Contreras, go off. I encourage it. I welcome it. That it doesn't bother me in the least. Throwing at another team's ace, though, my God, what a disgrace to our proud division. The history and the, the rich rivalry traditions of the NL Central. Just disgusting. And this will no doubt be an ugly footnote. An ugly, ugly, embarrassing footnote in the history of this division. Of course I'm being dramatic, but also pound sand, Cubs. Made this bed, go lay in it. You don't have any good relievers anyways. What does it matter? It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We are talking Brewers. We're not talking Cubs. And we're kind of making sure that we, we got everything figured out. We're taking inventory, right? The Brewers are 7-5. and five. We've won three series in a row. Feel like we're trending in the right direction. We're, we're doing good things. Got to work on getting healthier. Bullpen management is obviously an ongoing process and a learning process throughout the whole season. So that's going to get better. But you got to like where they're at right now. Three series wins in a row. That's ultimately how you build up wins. And that's ultimately how you stay afloat, you know, comfortably over 500 over the course of 162 games. Talking about Garcia and Narvaez and Andy Haynes. Also, Luis Urias. I think I've been a little unfair to the guy. Maybe, possibly, I won't admit to... You know, I, I'm not going to admit any wrongdoing, but possibly could have happened. 
And as David Gasper has reminded us, Luis Urias, once the 19th-ranked prospect in all of baseball, guy who has all the tools, all the skills, and I've complained that he's never shown us anything. He's all hype. He's all potential. He's just a name. He's just a trade chip. Well, last year, I mean, he broke his hand, and then he got COVID, and then he joined the season late, a season that was only 60 games long in the first place, and he joined as a utility guy, so he didn't really have a comfortable role. Okay, maybe I was a little unfair that, you know, he hasn't done anything, or I maybe, possibly, I don't remember, could have called him a walking IL stint at one point. I, I don't remember. It was a long, it was like two weeks ago. I can't be expected to remember that. Here's Craig, <laughs> Here's Craig Council talking about Luis Urias's double on Monday night. We talked about this a little bit the other day, but I wanted to bring it back. It was a huge hit. Um, you know, it was, it was obviously a huge spot in the game. Base was loaded one out and, um, Thought against the lefty, Luis had, you know, contact helps us there just to even tie the game, and he jumped on a first-pitch slider and um, did some good with it. I appreciate situational hitting, right? You don't have to be a 370 hitter. You don't have to hit 40 home runs. I I appreciate situational hitting. Getting up there with the bases loaded and only one out, realizing you just need to make contact. You just need to put the ball in play, hopefully into the outfield, right? But a strikeout doesn't help anything. A pop-up doesn't help anything. Right? Situationally, you got to know what's going on. And it appeared to me that Luis Urias did. You see how he, he didn't really swing for the fence. He just patiently brought the bat through the strike zone, very patiently, just to make sure to make contact and serve that thing into the outfield, whether it was caught on a line or whether it was a base hit or, or it goes all the way to the corner like it did. He was going to make contact. And shout out to our guy, Craig Council, for pushing the right buttons because when I heard, I was listening to the radio that night, when I heard that coming to the plate was Luis Urias, ooh, Kind of forcing it, don't you think, Craig? And then he was rewarded on the first pitch with the three RBI double. Urias is still only 23, and even Council admits, like, we don't really know what he is yet, just a lot of potential. I don't know what he is right now, but it's 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 pretty amazing. It's, um, you know, lots of hard contact and uh, swinging the bat really good. <laughs> it's kind of funny to hear him admit that. One more time. I don't know what he is right now, but it's... I don't know what he is right now, but swinging the ball well or swinging the bat well. He's making hard contact. There have been games where... Urias has made a couple of outs, and you look back, and you're like, well, he smoked all of them. Just got unlucky, right? Hit the ball at the wrong place at the wrong time. He's also walking at, like, a stupid high rate. When I checked yesterday, he was leading the majors in walks. I don't know if that number is held up today, whether he's first, second, third, whatever. Kurt Hogg, that's H-O-G-G, Hogg, who covers prep sports for the Journal Sentinel, tweeted this out. I thought it was funny. Luis Urias leads all of Major League Baseball in walk percentage by more than five entire percentage points. In the eight games, he has logged four-plus plate appearances. He has walked at least twice, five times. Five out of eight times, he's gone to the plate four-plus times. He's walked two-plus times. That's, <laughs> I'm amazed I made it through that without botching that information. It's confusing, but it makes sense, right? In games where he's getting a lot of at-bats, he's getting a lot of walks. He's a good situational hitter. He's getting on base. And actually, and it pains me to admit this, that's what I wanted from Orlando Arcia for years. It's like, dude, I know you're not going to be a huge run producer. You're not going to hit for a ton of power. Just become a problem. Just go back and watch Craig Council film from like 2002 to 2008 and just watch how that guy got to the plate and just refused to go down. Joey Votto, same thing. Learn how to choke up on the bat. Learn how to be a pain in the butt. So even when you don't hit a home run or hit an RBI, you're up there seeing eight, nine pitches, and you're putting the ball in play, and you refuse to strike out. 
That was never really Orlando Arcee's jam. He was good at some things. He was bad at others. He was not good at uh, fighting for long at-bats. He typically shot his wad pretty early on in, in an at-bat. I, I think Luis Urias may be learning a thing or two. Like, okay, if the power's not there, the run production isn't there, I'm just going to get on base. Because we've seen, even in the first couple of weeks here, how innings can change as soon as someone gets on base. A pitcher can be rolling along nicely, taking care of business, fanning batters one after another. And then, oh, what's this? Luis Urias takes a walk. Oh, now the pitcher's got to slow down a little bit, work out of the stretch or work out of the windup or whatever. I'm not a pitching coach. I still don't know the difference, and I've tried to learn 100 times. It's not the point. The point is getting on base has real value. It, it adds expected value to a win. It gets you closer to a win. And Luis Urias has been doing that at a high clip when he's not hitting the ball. And he's got two really big hits so far this week. One led to a win. One put them in position to win. Unfortunately, that game kind of slipped away from them late. The Woodruff game. If you're just joining, by the way, before we take a break, I'll, I'll say one more time. The, the Cubs are getting some suspensions from what happened the other night. Three-game suspension for Tapera, who Bob Uecker on the radio broadcast kept disrespecting. Like, is it Tapera? What's this guy's name? They're also suspending... David Ross for one game. I, that was, okay, this is a Brewers fan's perspective. So if you're a Cubs fan, you're probably like, okay, enough. Give him a break. I thought that was a bad look for David Ross, too. W- wasn't it? Wasn't it? Tell me, if I, tell me if I'm being a homer here. You have, you, you throw it another team's ace, and then your team doesn't de-escalate the situation. In fact, they do the opposite. They escalate it, and they admit to doing so after the game. What? I, I don't know if David Ross is just an aggressive dude who wants to throw at aces. I think that's a bad look. Or if he just, this is once again going to sound like a homer take, maybe he doesn't have a handle on the team. Oh, there I said it. Oh, ooh. Just my two cents. I'm being dramatic. I'm a Brewers fan. But I think there's a reason that they suspended David Ross for one game, and that kind of fits with the, the weird impression I got from the Cubs skipper the other night. It's like, wait, you're going to throw at an ace, and then you're going you're gonna to have a player admit to it after the game? Get Get your... Your players on board there, Rossi. Good, good on Rob Manfred. Now that he has that suspension, we can go back to keeping track of mound visits. Back to what really matters. Speaking of things that matter, Brad Davison's back with the Badgers, and we haven't talked about it yet, which I think is a huge injustice. 31 minutes and 29 seconds into the show. So let's do that. Let's talk about Brad Davison coming back to the Badgers. I love it. I think it's hilarious. It's awesome. And it's exactly what the Badgers and college basketball needs. We'll talk about that. My name is Grant Bills. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills and hope you're having an excellent Thursday. I don't know about you. This week's going a little bit faster than the last few have. I don't know if that's just me. I have a feeling that's probably unique for everybody. The last two weeks have been toxic. It's been dragging. This week, a little speedy. I woke up this morning. I'm like, hey, it's already Thursday. Let's get after it. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. We're about to get into some badgers. About to talk Wisconsin. Uh, Jeff says, are you going to be taking calls today? Jeff, yes. I just realized that the phone, however, was minimized on my desktop. So if you called, I apologize. It was my intention to take it, but I did not see it. I've now pulled up the phone. (laughs) Front and center. My bad. 
uh, if you've already called. If you're asking about the future, yeah, give me a call. Love to chat. Coach Wench says, huge mistake. Say goodbye to Davison and move on with the young guys. Well, Coach Wench, I, I don't actually think it's up to the Badgers. That would be a good question. Um, well, literally for anyone else. You know that college basketball is not my main squeeze. Maybe a question for our buddy Zach Heilprin. Maybe. I don't think it's up to the Badgers, though. I think Davison, if he wanted to come back, I think it was up to him. I think it's good for the Badgers. I don't agree with you that it's it's going to stunt the growth of anybody, and I'll explain here in the next couple of minutes. First, we're getting a call. I wonder if this is our buddy Jeff, 608-796-2558. Jeff, is that you? Yes, it is. How are you doing? Good, Jeff. I apologize for missing your call earlier. That's my bad. No, no, no problem. I've got two things. One, um, after hearing about the suspensions, they deserve it when they throw at somebody's ace. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Um, act like you've been there before when you hit a home run. Don't stand and, and pose. You, you hit the home run, go celebrate with your teammates in the dugout. I'm very old school with that. Stuff. Sure. And I re- recall, and it's probably a couple of years ago, but Braun, who used to torture the Reds, hit a monster home run, and he did an airplane around second base, and he got one right in the back the next time. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how it used to be. <laughs> so... Do you wish, I have a question for you, Jeff. Do you wish that the Brewers would have thrown, because the Brewers didn't retaliate yesterday, which I kind of expected. Do do you wish they would do that more? Because I don't think Council really likes getting into that. I don't know if he's old school in that way. I I don't like that only because when it's going to cost somebody a hand or a knee or whatever, and it's going to be huge, and those are your big rivals. I think the rivalry takes care of itself. Like I, I've just never been a fan of posing and, and celebrating a first down or celebrating a home run in the third inning. I mean, if you win the game, that's one thing. But I, I just, I'm old school. I, what can I say? Um, no, I'm, I'm not going to hate on you. I think we all like like different things about sports. I, I'm old school to an extent. Right. I think you should, you know, fist bump, you know, wave your arms or something, you know, you know toss your bat. I, I think there is a line. I think it's something like when I see it, I know. Like, oh, he has crossed the line. I wouldn't know how to describe it, but it's one of those things when you see it, you just know. It's like, okay, that's that's a little bit too much. Take it easy. I, I, I do have one other thing unrelated to baseball, if I could say it quick. Yeah. Um, I listened to the Bill Michaels replacement show today. Mm-hmm. And do remember, I'm a diehard Bears fan. Jim McMahon has made headlines because he said the best place he ever played was Green Bay. And these guys rode that for 45 minutes. <sighs> and what what it was, for those of people that don't remember, McCaskey traded, traded away McMahon because McMahon criticized McCaskey in his book. And he's got a sour taste for the bears in his mouth, although they, they made him what he is today, whether he'll ever admit that or not. And these guys were, the Bears still sucked the whole nine yards. Ugh. And it was really irritating. Not classy. That's that's. And I was listening today, too. I See, I was thinking about talking about the Jim McMahon thing tonight. And I'm like, ah, I think we got... I think we got other things to talk about, but I will pass... No. I'm always down to criticize Ebo, so I will <laughs> I will pass that along. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you miss Bill Michaels, you really miss Bill Michaels when they put something like that on. I'm telling you, he's He's so much better. Yeah. So much better. Taking shots at Bears fans. Well, I appreciate you, Jeff. Thanks for the call. Well, thank you for putting me on, and you have a good night. Keep up the good work. Thank you.
you have a good night as well. And I'm sorry, I had the phone minimized. The phone's on the computer in the studio, so if it gets covered up by, you know, something else on the computer, I won't see it. So that's that's my bad. Thanks for the text, Jeff. And yes, I will pass the criticism along to Evo happily with a smile on my face to tell him that he angered some Bears fans and crossed the line, although I think I've been kind of toxic to Cubs fans. So there might be a little bit of me calling the kettle black, the, the pot calling the kettle black or the kettle calling the pot. Somebody's calling something something. That's that expression. Thank you for the call. 608-796-2558. The news of the day, which we joked about yesterday. I said we were going to do a full day on, on Brad Davison today. Two straight hours. And then I realized, like, okay, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I don't think everybody wants to listen to that. But I thought for 10 or 15 minutes, we talk about Brad Davison just a little bit coming back. Um, he announced it on Twitter. I think he posted it on his Instagram, too. He is on the gram. I do follow Brad Davison on the gram. I don't follow a lot of athletes, but I do follow Brad. This was his statement. I want to thank my coaching staff for their patience during this time and say thanks to my current and future teammates who played a huge part in helping me make this decision. So you read that and you're like, oh, he's saying goodbye. No, au contraire, mon frere. He continues, after taking some time to reflect, there is no place I would rather be than Madison. Being a Badger is a privilege. I'm grateful for one last ride with my coaches and teammates this upcoming season. I would not want to go out any other way than playing in front of Badgers Nation at the Coles Center. Go Badgers! Brad Davison. Oh, great news. Excellent news. Now, we've had some, I think, contentious conversations about Brad Davison. I know we debated with Zach Heilprin a couple of weeks ago. Zach Heilprin, of course, the voice of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. With this Wisconsin yes. Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heilprin. That Zach Heilprin. I thought we had some good perspective about the hate that he gets. He gets a lot of grief from fans and from the TV announcers and from refs. He gets grief from everybody. And I think we decided he deserves a little bit of grief, but probably not all the grief that he gets. Like maybe he deserves some jeers from opposing student sections, probably not from officials or television broadcasters, although I think that's just kind of unprofessional anyways, and ESPN ended up apologizing for it, so I think I think that was the consensus. This, by the way, Brad Davison inspired one of the best moments of the entire Badgers season, and that was angry Greg Gard, who I had never heard before. People have questions about it. Is the um, mockery that has now been made of the hook and hold or any type of thing, and it, it appears to be have become a Brad Davison rule where uh, it's become, quite frankly, a joke. Um, anytime there's a foul or a question, the opponents are yelling to the, the officials about the monitor, uh, to go to the monitor. I saw the play. If college basketball is headed in this direction, we're, we're in big trouble. Um, I really, it sickens me that we have games decided like this, and this is where it's at. That, that rule was not put in place for that. That was for safety of players. That was for post play. Those type of things happen on every single possession of the game specifically in the post. So I think it's really turned into a joke. Uh, I feel bad for Brad Davison. The kid's a great kid, plays his ass off, um, but he continues to get screwed by, by this and, and how the officials and, and the league and opponents have com- continued to just call that out and, and spotlight, put a spotlight on that and deaden the ball. And um, it, it's really, it's become sickening, really. Uh, it's made a mockery of, of college basketball, specifically in the in this positions we've been in. Oh, I love that. I don't know if I've ever heard Greg Gard that fired up. Every single possession of the game. Of the game. Every single possession of, of the, the game. game. That was awesome. I didn't even care that the Badgers lost after hearing that press conference. I was like, oh, the boys riled up. And you know what the boys did? The boys went out and beat UNC and sent Roy Williams packing an early retirement. He might have been planning to retire all along, but nevertheless, Brad Davison was the player to to send him out the door, which I will never not find funny. 
a few months ago, I remember I remember talking about Brad Davison and the potential that he comes back. Because we talked about all these players, the seniors who were going to be eligible to return if they wanted. Reavers and Anderson and Demetri Trice. And we all said, ah, probably not. And I guess Nate Reavers is going to transfer. I don't I don't, I don't know where he's going to go. He should come play in the WEAC. He'd have to be a, be a better defender, though. I don't know if he'd last long in the WEAC in, in his current state. The three-point shooting, you forget about that, Reavers, until you can man up somebody in the post and, and get a rebound. You're not, you're not going to need to be shooting. In fact, if Nate Reavers came to the WEAC, I don't know if you don't need to practice with a basketball as far as I'm concerned. It's just, you don't need to. Practice out the ball for a couple weeks. Davison coming back to the Badgers makes sense, though. I think we talked about this, right? Like, he might be the one player where it, it makes sense. And I, I approached it from, like, a, a petty angle. Like, how great would it be? Oh, you want to hate on Brad? You want to hate on me? You want to make fun of me on ESPN and Pamani Jones wants to get together with Pablo Santori and, and make jokes on their high noon show and, and you want to say that I'm not a real basketball player and, oh, you, you think I flop and the refs hate me? Well, hey, how about this? Screw all of you. I'm coming back. And you have to deal with that for one more year, which I think is hilarious. It's like, oh, you guys hate me? Huh? You, 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 don't, you don't like watching me? I make you angry? Well, guess what? Here's the biggest middle finger of all. I'm going to come back and play another year just so you have to deal with it. Power move. Power move from Brad Davison. And I love it. So does Mitch and Madison. Well, kind of. Mitch says Davison is the perfect definition of a college player you want on your team, but if he's not on your team, you hate him. He's old school, and some people don't like that. It's funny. Brad Davison is the perfect mix of old school and new school because he jacks threes like nobody else. Like, he takes more threes than any player, and he'll miss a lot, too, and he'll have great games where he'll hit five or six of them. But then there are other games where he'll go, like, three of 12 from three, which is the opposite of old school. But then, you know, taking charges and getting on the ground and getting after balls. I like that old school part of his game. And, yes, he is a player that you'd love on your team, but you'd hate if you have to play against him. Alex says, Davison should have moved on with the rest of his senior class. So much hope, and they underperformed. He doesn't improve the Badgers next year at all. Alex, thank you for the text. I want to talk more about this on the other side of the break. Um, Nick says, Reavers hired an agent. Wake up, Grant. Well, yeah, he's obviously not coming to play in the WEAC. Okay, I understand. But wh- wh- where does, does he think he's going to play professionally? Like, hire an agent, test the waters all you want. Yeah, I go to town. If Reavers actually wanted to play professionally at some point, probably would have been smartest to come back to Wisconsin and actually hone some skills. Right? I mean, what, what was that impressive about him this last season? And I'm not trying to hate on Nate Reavers. Like, I'm not trying to rip on Nate Reavers, but the reality is he wasn't exactly tremendous this year. Like, he was, he was, Tyler Wall was getting in there. Like, minutes were taken away from Nate Reavers. And it's after that season that he wants to hire an agent and go, like, yeah, I understand he's not going to come play in the Wii Act. It's a joke I make about everybody. I guess I don't really know what his plan is. Attitude-wise, Brad Davison is very old school. There's part of his game that's new school. It's it, He's a very interesting player. I want to continue to talk about him. Let's talk more Brad Davison. And I actually think, I don't think this impacts the outlook of the team next year at all. Some of you think it's a, it's it's going to be bad for the rest of the team. I, I don't agree. I'll explain why. Um, and maybe we can come to some sort of consensus, or at least we can all understand each other and sing Kumbaya, and then we can talk about more Brewers after 5 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Hope you're having a great night. A lot to get to. Almost an hour in, we've done Brewers, Badgers, Packers, and uh, even a non-sports topic. And a little Bucks. All coming up in the next hour of the show after 5 o'clock. Your texts, your tweets, everybody's welcome. 608-796-2558. Nick and Alex and Jeff and Mitch and Coach Wench, appreciate your thoughts on the Badgers. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. Brad Davison is back. And I love it. I think this is fascinating. I think this is really interesting. And I think it makes the entire college basketball world really, really mad, which is half of the reason, most of the reason why I love this. It's like, oh, you want to hate on me? You want to make fun of me on the broadcast and every studio show on ESPN? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm coming back. Deal with me for another year. It's such a middle finger to everybody. And I love it. Good for Brad Davison. Power move. And it gave us one of the best moments of the Badger season this last year with Greg Gard just seething postgame. Every single possession of the game. Of the game. Never heard Brad, Never heard Greg Gard get upset like that. Maybe seen it on the sideline. I've seen Bo Ryan get that mad. I don't know if I've ever heard it, but Greg Gard, good for him. Every single possession of the game. Of the game. Brad Davison's statement. After taking some time to reflect, there is no place I would rather be than Madison. With an exclamation point. Being a Badger is a privilege. I am grateful for one last ride with my coaches and teammates this upcoming season. I would not want to go out any other way than playing in front of Badger Nation at the Kohl Center. Go Badgers. Brad, music to my ears, poetry in motion, art imitating real life. I think it's awesome that he's going to be back next year because it's a middle finger to everybody, but also in a basketball sense, in a schematic sense, and in a rotation sense, I think it works out really well. The Badgers have a lot of young players who we're excited about, who we're hopeful for, and, and, and who could one day be really good and lead to the Badgers being a very good team. Sure. But we don't really know that for sure at the moment. We don't really know that these guys are going to be ready to step up and run their own team next year. These players are like, they need somebody to orbit around. They need a son to orbit around. And I think Brad Davison can be that guy. I always go back to this quote. I think Ben Wargel of the Badger Nation, Wisconsin Insider, tweeted this. Yeah, here's the quote. Quote, cement between the bricks. That's Brad Davison. He's also the bricks because when he has bad shooting nights, he really has bad shooting nights. But he's the cement as well. I don't think Brad Davison is going to get in the way of anybody. I think ideally he'd play shooting guard. Little little point guard. He handled rock a little bit, but let him play off ball. Let him shoot. He's going to, after next year, be the Badgers leader in three-point percentage or, or three-pointers made, excuse me. Zach Heilprin, who joined the Bill Michaels show today with Ebo and Rowdy, made that same point. Bill's on vacation. He's down in Florida. Is that what I heard? Maybe we'll get a Twitter video or a Facebook update. He's at some tiki bar somewhere. But Ebo's filling in today, and Zach joined him and said, by, by next year, I mean, he's going to be the team leader, the, the, the program leader, I almost said franchise leader, in three-pointers made. Turn him into the shooting guard, and then you can still develop a point guard. You can still develop Jonathan Davis and everybody else. It's not like Brad Davison needs the ball in his hand constantly. I don't think he's going to get in everybody's way. He's the glue. He's a glue guy. Cement between the bricks. I don't think he's going to stunt anybody's development. Um... And it's not like it's not like guys are expected to be wooden award candidates next year either, right? The, these players are all on a three, four-year plan typically. That's how Wisconsin does things. Much to the dismay of some fans uh, and college basketball fans along the uh, along the not just in Wisconsin but in the whole the whole country. Adam says, "I agree. Trice gone will help Davison as well." Yeah, I I think Trice, if he would have been around next year, if he would have stayed, then I think maybe. 
you can talk about young guys needing to wait a little bit longer. But Brad Davison ideally isn't playing a whole lot of point guard. He's playing off ball, and he's playing shooting guard, and you're, you're getting him good looks, right? And I think Trice being gone as a very ball-dominant player is going to make life better for Brad Davison as well. So I think you'll see a more efficient, more choosy version of Brad Davison with a different point guard next to him. I, I do. That's a good point, David, with Brad Davison leaving. I think it makes sense. Julie asks, do you think guard wanted him to come back knowing how the young team will be next year? I think Davison would do it if guard asked. That's an interesting point. Um, I'm sure it's a discussion they had, right? They, it's a discussion they had to have had. Hey, Brad, you think of coming back next year? I mean, based on what Greg Gard said about Brad Davison and pressers and in media availability the last year, really likes Brad Davison. He's a big fan. Really likes what he brings to the team and how hard he works. I would imagine Greg Gard's thrilled to have him back. And I'm sure at some point, Greg Gard will speak to the media and we'll check out what he has to say on this show so we get a you know a little bit of a a full picture of what's going on and how guard feels exactly. I, I don't know if it, it was simply coming down to Greg guard asking. Like I, I kind of doubt Davison was all set to move on. And then Greg guard hit his line. It's like, okay, I guess I'll come back. It's a pretty big life decision. It's another year of your life. I'm sure Greg guard is happy though, to have him back, whether or not he asked, whether or not he pleaded or begged, which I, I have a hard time seeing. I think that, uh, I think that he's happy to have Brad Davison back. And I think it's good for the team. I don't think it's going to block any young players. I don't think it's going to take away from Jonathan Davis or whatever young players step into the starting lineup and the rotation next year. I think he's going to be a good complement and uh, and hopefully a bridge. As these young players step in, you know, a bridge to them eventually taking this team over and being the next batch of Wisconsin players to, you know, to be the starting five. It happens every couple of years. And I think it really helps in a year where they started five seniors moving on to the next year where they're starting a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. I think it, it pays to have a guy like Brad Davison around. I think that's a big help, yeah. And I'm sure Greg Gard is excited about it. Let's talk more about the Brewers. We'll get into the Bucks and even the Packers. We're going to hear from Jordy Nelson and from Charles Woodson. Should be interesting. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show to come after 5 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. 